You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's going on, YA? Hope that you are doing so well. We are introducing a new series this week entitled Possessing the Promise. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at some key moments from the book of Joshua. There's a lot to learn from the book of Joshua. We're going to look at just a few passages over the next three weeks and garner as much wisdom as we possibly can, understanding that we're not even going to scratch the surface of the lessons to be learned. A little bit of context here is that Joshua is Moses' right hand and takes over leadership when Moses dies. What we see is a nation of Israel that has been wandering in the desert for 40 years after escaping Egypt and crossing the Red Sea. And what happens in the wilderness is this really interesting story of Moses doing so many incredible things, but also this this small act of disobedience that he does when God asks him to speak to a rock to provide water and he strikes the rock twice. It's in a completely different story. But the result of that story is that Moses won't be the one to send or lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. Instead, we get to see Joshua take over the mantle of leadership. In fact, what's really interesting about this is that only two men from the generation that leaves Egypt will end up entering the promised land. That's Joshua and his friend Caleb. So where we find ourselves at the beginning of Joshua is right when Moses dies and God hands that mantle of leadership to Joshua. So we're going to start right off the top. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It says this. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to land to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, and to the west of the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. So the first point this week is now. Simply that, just just now. In this specific part of history, God is truly waiting for the passing of Moses before he's going to handle the mantle of leadership over, over to Joshua and allow him to lead the people into the promised land. Now hear me, I am not saying that God is wanting waiting for someone to die to bring about your promise, but he may be waiting on something to take place before calling you to step into it. We don't know what that is, but there's a very real reality that God's timing is not your timing. God's timing is not my timing. And he is waiting on something to take place before calling us to step into the promise that he has for our life. A question that I would pose is this, what are we going to do in the meantime? What are we going to do in the meantime? Moses and Joshua both knew that Moses wasn't going to enter the promised land. And Moses spends the last moments of his life, we see this at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, blessing the nation of Israel. He just spends time after time after time speaking blessings, praying blessings over his people, understanding that he was not going to get to be with them in the promised land. And Joshua spends that same time preparing to handle the burden and the blessing of leadership, understanding that that mantle was going to be passed to him. He knew that that was going to be a a huge responsibility so that when Moses did move into heaven, he would be ready to go. You see, the truth is, is that we won't always know what we're specifically waiting for, but we can make a commitment to wait well. We can make a commitment to wait well, worshiping, growing, 
being refined for whenever our now is because we don't know when God's going to look at our life and go, now, lead your people. Now, step into that. Now, ask for that. Now, do this. We don't know when our now is going to be, but what are we going to do while we're waiting? We can be people who wait well. The next point is this, is that there's a perspective of promise. There's a perspective of promise. I think sometimes we can get stuck on on what we believe to be, I'll just call them personal promises. We have this mentality that would say, like, I believe that God wants to do this in my life. Or we say, I, I believe that God wants to do this for my life. And I think that that has some truth to it. I, I think God wants to do things in your life and he wants to do things in my life. But I also think that that mentality can become really dangerous. One of the most incredible parts about the story of Israel is that the patriarchs of their nation, you have Abraham and then you have Moses, didn't even get to possess the promise. They knew that the promise was worth fighting for, even if they didn't benefit from it. Like, yes, when when they said yes to Jesus, they or was yes to God, they they were going to, they believed that they were going to see the promised land eventually. And through mistakes and failures and all these different things, that didn't come to life. But they still thought it was worth worth pursuing the promise. Today, one of our issues is that we have become so individualized that we couldn't possibly be bothered to understand that promises are rarely for a person and are regularly regularly for a people. Rarely for a person, regularly for a people. The promise was made to Abraham, but it affected all of Israel. The promise might be attached to your life or my life, But how is God going to use that to impact the world around us? Maybe it'll be our lineage. Maybe it'll be our family. Maybe it'll be our friends. Maybe it'll be our workplaces. Maybe it'll be our schools. Maybe it'll be our our community. We, We don't know, hopefully, all of the above, right? But whatever promises are attached to your life, whatever promises are attached to my life, would we understand that they aren't just for us? but they are to be used for the kingdom of heaven. Because our goal is to go and make disciples. Our goal is to go and love people towards Jesus, not to just be celebrating the promises that have been spoken over our lives. And God says this, and this is our next point, always with you. He says, I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. God delivered the Israelites from the hand of Egypt, the yoke of slavery, leads them into the wilderness, but he splits the Red Sea before that for them to cross. They see his presence there. He was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Right, That was his presence being evident to the entire nation of Israel. He provided manna from heaven every day for 40 years so they would not go hungry. Like God's presence was evident. And these Israelites, this generation that's going to get to cross into the promised land, they have really never known anything different. The presence of God has been so evident their entire lives, yet God still wants to make sure that they knew that that wouldn't change. He wanted them to know that the God who was with them in the waiting, the God who was with them in the wandering, would be with them in the middle of the promise. And I know that that can sound really backwards. Of Why wouldn't God be in your promise? Why would he be in your waiting and wandering, but not in the promise? Well, here's the thing. Sometimes in our humanity, we get so comfortable of what we know and we understand and we get comfortable with, with our, our uh, familiarity with Jesus and, and all of the different uh, things that are going on in our lives that the idea of stepping out into the promise that God has for us gets really, really scary. And I don't know 
I don't know every single mentality of every single Israelite in this moment, but I'm sure that there were some who were scared to step into the promise because they got had gotten comfortable in the presence of God. We see the the wandering in the wilderness is only a bad thing. But some of them probably took comfort in the fact that there was a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire. There was manna provided every day. They knew God was with them. They knew God was with them over and over and over again. And yes, they yearned for the promise, but maybe there was still some hesitancy there. And I think that there's sometimes some hesitancy for us to step into what God has for us. So my prayer is this, is that we would hear the Lord say, I will not leave you. I will not abandon you. I am with you always. I was with Moses. I will be with you as well. The passage goes on to say this in verses 6 through 9. It says, Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and be very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The next point is this, is that obedience to God will take courage. I love that God speaking to Joshua says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I'm with you wherever you go. He's reminding this leader who is going to lead his people that he is with him and that he needs to be strong and he needs to be courageous. But if promises were just easy, if promises were just handed to us, why would we need to be strong? Why would Joshua need to be strong? Why would he need to be courageous? Why would he need to not be afraid or discouraged? Because promises aren't easy. I think it'd be really easy for us to assume that there was only joy and celebration when Israel found out it could cross into the promised land. They're like, yeah, Moses is finally dead. Like, no, that's not how they felt. I'm sure there was a ton of joy, an expectancy of what was next. However, we have to remember that they weren't just entering into this like untouched land. They were entering into a land that was currently occupied by people. They knew to possess the promise. And we'll talk about this over the next couple of weeks is that they were going to have to go to war to take possession of the promised land. You see, God knew that there was going to be fear. God knew that there was going to be trepidation from his people. So he says, be strong, courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I'm with you always. See, when God calls us to move towards a calling on our lives, it's often going to take a lot of faith. Not faith in the promise, but faith in the promise maker. And we can do that. We can have people, we can be people who have faith in the promise maker. Maybe you've heard this phrase, maybe you haven't. It's if God has called you to it, he will bring you through it. And it can be so cheesy. I remember growing up with it and just being like, dude, I've heard this so many times. I'm so over it. But about seven years ago, we were in the middle of our adoption process. And I was at the church on a Wednesday night. And uh, a high schooler, who was about 15, asked me how the adoption process was going. And I was honest with him. At that time, uh, things had gotten flipped upside down with our process. Things were moving faster than we expected them. It was really exciting, but also really stressful. And we didn't have the financial... Um, money. We just didn't have the money to, to pay the, the fees that we needed to pay before we got the next step in process. And things just like were going so incredible. And then all of a sudden they bogged down. And I was honestly in a, a place of a little bit of doubt. And I just kind of spoke that and, and was a little bit honest to it, it to this the student. And he says, uh, you feel like God, you feel like God has called you to adopt, right? And I was like, oh, without a without question, I know that God has called us to adopt. And then he dropped it. He dropped the phrase. If God has called you to it, 
He'll bring you through it, man. And you know what? I didn't roll my eyes at all. In that moment, I needed that truth. It settled on my spirit. It didn't annoy me. It settled on my spirit like a comfortable blanket. It just covered me in that moment. And I just was like, thank you so much for saying that. Like, I just, I needed to hear that. And maybe you need to hear that too. God has promised some things over your life. He's called you to some specific things. And if you believe that God has called you to it, if you truly believe that God has called you to it, he will bring you through it. Let us not discount cheesy hobby lobby phrases and not let them speak truth when they are full of truth. If he has called you to it, he will bring you through it. Obedience can be scary and it can be overwhelming at times. But when it's obedience to Jesus, we can have incredible faith that he is with us always. That we don't have to be afraid, we don't have to be discouraged, and we can be strong and courageous. Another question that I want to ask is this, do we value the book of instruction? I feel like a point similar to this pops up like once a month, no matter what our sermon series is, and it's because it's highlighted all over scripture. At this time, God is talking about the Torah or the Pentateuch in this moment. The first five books of the Bible, we have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about these words that have been written in history by Moses and about Moses. And he's talking to Joshua and he's saying, do not let this be something that you just flippantly have. Like pay careful attention. Observe carefully the whole instruction my, serv- my servant Moses has commanded. Do not turn from the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. God himself is talking to Joshua and making it really clear that those were not just random collections of words, but instruction on how to live life. Maybe you've bought furniture online. I know that I have. Whether it's Ikea or Amazon or whatever it is, you see the picture of it and you're like, that's super dope. That's going to look great in my space. So you buy it and then it shows up and then you realize, oh, frick, I have to, I have to build this. Like I have to put this together. And so you have 585 pieces and 700 steps and 17 little tools that you'll never use again to put together a bookshelf or a chair, a couch, or whatever it may be. And here's the truth. Without the instructions, you'd be out of luck, right? You'd be in a, in a bad spot without a book of instructions. Even with the book of instructions, sometimes you're like, is this, this is not in English. And this point A and point C seem to be the same thing. And piece A and piece Z seem to look the exact same to me. And you are, it's very, very confusing. Here's the thing. The Bible is the instruction manual for our lives. Without it, we are just winging it. And even with it, some of the instructions seem confusing. And we have to go back and we need to focus. We need to read them again. We need to apply them again. Sometimes we need to t- take things back apart and say how, how I understood that was wrong when I, when I put that part of my life together. I need to take that back apart and reassess if it's actually rooted in Scripture. But that's the thing. We get the opportunity to be rooted in the Scripture. While, while the, the early church had the first five books or the Jewish people had the first five books, the Torah, we have 66 books including this one that we're studying today, to give us instruction and wisdom on how to live lives. It's not a, a, a book of rules and regulations and what not to do, but how to live. And we get the opportunity to do that. Do we value the book of instruction? Let us not neglect the book of instruction. 
When he says, don't allow it to depart from your mouth, meditate on it day and night. Do not look to the left or the right. What God is saying in this moment is that if you let this be your truth, if you let the word of God be your truth, your first response will be his words, not yours. And we want our lives to be rooted in his words, not our own thoughts or processes. Then verses 10 through 11 goes on to say, this is then Joshua commanded the officers of the people go through the camp and tell the people, get provisions ready for yourselves. For within three days, you'll be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land. The Lord, your God is giving you to inherit to take possession of the land that the Lord, your God is giving you to inherit. What a beautiful thing it was to hear that from the Israelite people. Even if there was some fear, even if there was some hesitancy, you finally get to take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. The last point this week is this, possession of the promise. The land promise was made by God to Abraham, then to Moses, now Joshua. But what we see in this passage is God telling Joshua to finally take hold of that land that was promised generations before. But it wasn't just going to happen. Joshua had to do something. He had to lead the people into the land and take it. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about what Joshua and the Israelites actually had to do. But here's the thing. Many of us feel like there are promises over our lives without question. But we need to remember that we have a part to play. We get to participate in the promises. We get to participate in the promises. Sometimes that might seem overwhelming, but we should see it as a high honor that God is not looking to just snap his fingers and make things happen in our lives and the lives of others. He wants sons and daughters who faithfully participate in the promises and the calls on their lives to help things come to fruition. We get to participate in the promises. So this week, here's a challenge. Get in prayer and get in that incredible book of instruction and consider the fact that God has promises for your life. Know that that is true. Then make a commitment to being faithfully obedient today and every day until the promise comes to pass. And when the promise comes to pass, when the promise is present, let us be people who are obedient in the middle of that too. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.